I think that was from the Easter show and I oh, fucking love it. I love Beetlejuice. I really want to see the musical. It oh, yes. really good. I want yeah. it to come to Australia though. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's, it's like only just officially become a Broadway play. I think I think it, so. Yeah, because they made a revival. Didn't they? they came yeah. back around. Yeah, because it was like before. Then it was kind of like an on and off Broadway play. Like mm. Broadway is such a weird terminology as well. I hate it. Mm. It's like I'm on Broadway. We're on Broadway. Yeah, where exactly? Like, Everyone's uh, like, is it one theater? I'm like, no. It's many. <laughs> There's many of them. And also, it depends how successful that show is. But mm. I feel like that's become like since the resurgence. Um, since the resurgence. Uh, particularly now, it's sort of like going back into the public domain and mm. everyone's like, oh, this is really exciting. And I think it's actually written, like some of the songs were written by an Australian. Really? Yeah, like an Australian. Like, so it does, or he's either Australian or British, but he's not American. Yeah. And he has a unique sense of humor. That's so, why it's so funny. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like that's probably why it appeals to us, particularly because it's very macabre. Mm, and Australians, mm-hmm. we seem to love macabre the most. Um, <laughs> We're such dark little people. Like, that's hilarious. Like, so flat toned. Yeah, yeah. like, yes, very good. Well, it's like, it, there's only so many times where I remember in high school, everyone was making dead baby jokes. And I don't, and, and I don't endorse <laughs> dead children. <laughs> but it was like that great time when you're in high school and everyone's just like, you know, talking about dead babies in Flanders. It, that is a fr- it's a part of puberty i think everyone at some point <laughs> like the funniest thing is a dead baby <laughs> you're like oh and you do you, and the weirdest thing is we don't think about it but like 17 years before or 16 years before we were like a fetus and then you just gotta <laughs> like like those days is. aren't too far beyond it behind us yeah. no and then and then it's like you know and then we talk about going into adulthood and everyone's like and you know i remember in like late high school everyone was talking about having kids one day and i was like dear god we're not even finished puberty <laughs> like we haven't even uh, finished the dead baby jokes yeah. we're thinking about making babies how <laughs> You. And then, and then potentially these babies might come out dead. And when, how do you feel then? This is like an awful cycle. <laughs> this horrible Icarus type thing. <laughs> like, look what you've done. This is the things we do podcast. A podcast about film, life, television, culture, mental health, and all of that fun, jazzy stuff. Today, I've got my special guest and friend, Rose Stunzner. Hello. <laughs> you were so excited to be like, jump in, jump in. I want to say something. Yeah. You are you are so pumped. We've already, we've already been recording for eleven minutes. And then <laughs> I've had, I'm now gonna be sitting in the edit room just like trim, trim, trim. Getting what we're here to do. They're like, oh uh, wait, that's right. We're making a podcast. Um <laughs> So first topic before we, because we are gonna talk about your name first mm-hmm. and foremost. Um so it is German. Yes. We we know that it's a very weird German name. Yes. Um, um, it's actually probably more commonly German, you know, like than probably my last name, um, mm. than, you know, a weird, like, where do you feel like it came from in So, Germany? yeah, it's a very, very German last name, Stunzner, there's an umlaut on the U, pronounced, yeah, just change the U to an U and the Z to an S, is mm. the hack, basically. Um, there's a lot of, like, a lot of people in my family as well, like, we all sort of have, have our own variation of pronunciation because it's such an odd name and it doesn't yeah. look or sound the way it's spelt, <laughs> um, which is always a lot of fun with German words. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I haven't got any connections to Germany at all. Like, I don't speak any German. My dad doesn't speak any German except for, like, the occasional swear word you've been taught by your German friend. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. um, so, the German last name comes from my great great grandfather i believe who from what all i know from the history is he was living in samoa in polynesia um 
during the Second World War or whatever. I can't exactly, I don't know the facts exactly, but he married my great grandmother who yeah. was Portuguese Samoan something oh, around there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it's really weird because you look at like my dad and my grandfather who look like they're Samoan with a little bit of white thrown in there. You're like, why yeah. have you got a big German last name, especially a German German last name? And like you look at the timelines, it's like, oh, Second World War, what happened? But yeah, all I know is that like, that was yeah, my grandfa- great grandfather who has this really cool German last name who was actually captured as a prisoner of war for a while. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was like this whole, like, I think six years he was gone. And like when my grandfather was young and Samoa, they only spoke like, there was, so they weren't allowed to speak German after the world, like the world, world war two because of all the events that happened. Yeah. Everyone Cause you would like, basically be like ostracized. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, don't do that. Um, and yeah, there was all this like family drama that like I only recently discovered. Like when I went home, um, like over like two weeks ago for a holiday, just a small brief holiday. Like, my grandfather's like, "Yeah, look at these books," and it was called like the Samoans. It was this history book oh, about wow. all this stuff, like all these different cultural things in Samoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. but also like my family's name. I'm like, "Why are we in here? Like we're a bunch of Germans." He's like, "Wrong," and we learned. Yeah, it was really interesting. I wish I read more of it or brought it or something to yeah. give some fun facts about. But like, yeah, it was really cool to learn about because I'm like. What, like what's the go with Germany do we have any family there yeah which we do but I've never met them I've never been there I would love to go but yeah it's just weird like mix of like cause at, at home we have this like like a Christmas dinner table would be like sauerkraut Kranskis all that sort of German food but then we'd have like really Samoan dishes like um taro wrapped in banana leaves and coconut like cooked in like a umu which is like a ground yeah, yeah. oven and like we'd have all the seafood and like okra and stuff like that so it's like a mix of cultures and i always ask like my grandfather I'm like is there a good samoan last name for us he's like nope it's just stuntsna but like we all have <laughs> like samoan like names of variations and stuff like yeah. that so like my name's rose but like the samoan version would be like losalea or something ah. like that yeah and so which we only use when we're in trouble which is ah. terrifying um <laughs> good to know yeah um. yeah i told my boyfriend recently it was the worst thing i've done <laughs> he just uses it for evil like i'll be somewhere and he's like Los Ale. i'm like oh shit what hello <laughs> he's like, hello oh, it's interesting i'm like don't use that name <laughs> it's like this has scarred me therapy mm-hmm. it reminds me of like my grandfather just booming down the house like what are you up to i'm like nothing <laughs> yeah really interesting like, i find the name like it's always one of those things that comes up people yeah. are like oh rose is that german how do you say this what's going on i'm like yeah, it's yeah, nothing exciting. But then I found out it is very exciting. There's a lot of history behind it, which I wish I knew more about. Have you tried yeah. ancestry dot com? No, I should. I yeah, because really that's like a, a little inside nook and cranny yeah. to the insanity. I wonder what we're gonna find. Oh, I'm just scared if we're gonna find a Nazi in there or something. <laughs> I'd be like, oh no. <laughs> I mean, like you know, it, maybe yeah. maybe it's one of the Nazis who owned a concentration camp. It was like, I am funding. Yeah, it's like one of the worst. I'd be like, I should have just, <laughs> just stuck to my books on my grandfather, like, the selected books he gave me, <laughs> so I didn't have to know the truth. It's yeah. like this is too dark even for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like that—that's always sort of like the thing. I feel like with you know going the clash of cultures and everything. Mm. I mean. Did people, especially friends, um, find that odd, uh, you know, in a family upbringing? Um, not so much, actually, when I grew up in Queensland um, because, like, Brisbane, like, the Gold Coast, we have, like, a lot of, like, Islander presence there. Like, yeah. there's just a lot of people around there. From, like, a lot of my Samoan cousins live in either, like, Brisbane or New Zealand, obviously. Um, but, yeah, that was just – it wasn't so much of a big mix-up mm. there or an issue. Um, I definitely found, like, when I was living in Melbourne yeah. or stuff like that, like – 
there was more of a confusion. People think, oh, German and someone, that's a bit weird. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm yeah. just born to the blood that I am. <laughs> like, I can't help that. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, especially because Melbourne's very white. It's very white. Yes. It's, um, it's, which, which is kind of weird because it's like this artsy city. And, exactly. And then it's very white central. But I mean, like, Sydney's pretty white. Mm. Uh, I mean, it has mm-hmm. a huge, if you go to certain pockets, it does have like huge populations of like, um, you know, um, I, like the, you've got Chinatown. Basically, yeah. if you go to like Chatswood like and yeah, the c- cities and stuff. But if you go out like far west, you get like um, you know Lebanese, like and mm. then and then a lot of um, uh, you know Indian, Sri Lankan. You know, all these people live out um, like in Parramatta. So these little communities, yeah. which I find is so fascinating. It's such a like. Like Australian sort of thing. A lot of cities. I think Brisbane was a lot more sort of just all mixed in together. It's totally because it's a small, like it's a glorified country town. So it's small enough that everyone mixes in. Um, But yeah, I found like, yeah, definitely in Melbourne, like, which I thought was really interesting at first. I was like, yeah, you'd have like Ligon Street, which is just all Italian. Yeah. Um, Then you have like your different like like areas of like Vietnamese food. And it was like the best Vietnamese you had because it was just entirely Vietnamese families that had been there since like like decades and like yeah, yeah it was fantastic which i found really really interesting but i think uh in sydney i find that like a lot of these fantastic like sources of like just cultural knowledge are a lot further away yeah from the main central area which i just it's something i've noticed from like yeah it's like in different cities we we uh, we are particularly like a, a city which you know um i think also being a predominantly white person mm. coming from in society but it is like very much um you know growing up in pockets i remember there that one of my friends in school was the only indigenous person in the entirety of the school yeah. like we didn't really have I think we had one other kid, actually. We did have two, but it was very minute. And I'm like, this is the inner West, which I thought would have been way more. But even growing up, I was like, well, that's a luxury that Mm. I guess that many schools around here wouldn't have then. Like, but it it was kind of interesting because, you know, you, it did kind of like, I guess, make me feel very upper class kind of in some ways. And I guess as a kid, I would, I really didn't like think about like, oh, you never do. It's never, yeah. You never really think about culture classes. My parents never gave it like a rat's ass about any sort of like culture classes they weren't like yeah. um, particularly um, d- d- like interested in like racial conversations or well, when you're a kid like prejudice doesn't exist yeah. you're like you're this person I either like you or I don't like you and yeah. then you carry on playing with whatever you're doing but yeah. it was it's really interesting because I feel like because I grew up in such a like a non-judgmental and non um, like mm. um, issue when I do see people and I've met people with such high regard to different cultures mixing I'm like what is wrong with you like why are you so angry I know it's so weird and I, it, yeah I think it's also because I'm like do you eat their food oh yeah no I like sushi <laughs> and what's your problem like, I can't be racist I eat sushi yeah it's like, <laughs> it's like do you know how rare it is to find sushi in Japan like yeah, I know. it's not that big of a thing <laughs> It's like it's it's you're basically going to anywhere else and you're getting like um was it unagi or something? Oh my god, yeah. Hey, um, like, like American food, McDonald's is delicious. Like what? <laughs> I know, and oh. it's just like I I just feel like there. I think particularly with Sydney people, but also just with Australians in general, mm. when you do not travel and you do not you haven't grown up with a lot of variety, and I mean like you know obviously where you grew up was a particularly cool so. <laughs> risky area um, oh yeah <laughs> I mean like you you do kind of get people who have lived a very sheltered life mm. and therefore you know having mixes of cultures automatically means oh 
outside threat. But Dangerous, then, yeah. But then do you have the issue of just people assuming that you're just Anglo-Saxon all the time? Um, Not too. It's As I've gotten older a little bit because I haven't seen the sun as much, but when I was younger, <laughs> uh, my sister and I, we got like our parents would get questions like, oh, like, who's the father? Like what, like what <laughs> my favorite was, what are they? And I'm like, these are two kids like running around because like we were quite tan again in Queensland, yeah. like always in the sun, always in the farm, riding horses, not being sun safe. <laughs> Wear your sunscreen. Um, yeah. So we'd, <laughs> we just sort of get weird questions. Like people would think we're either like Portuguese or like yeah. South Spain, Italian, Sicilian, or we get like um, Australasian mixes. People would be like, really? Oh, are you like, I don't know, Thai crossed. I'm like, absolutely not. Like, probably more white than i am polynesian and yet yeah people are like you look slightly racially ambiguous so you have to know what it is i'm like do you know like i think it's because yeah i have dark brown hair dark eyes like yeah and i tan up occasionally people like oh that's so interesting i had one man (laughs) sorry i just love that word (laughs) that's so so interesting interesting. (laughs) i had a i remember like my favorite memory of like the whole because i am a very white passing person i was at this bar um (laughs) and this old man came in this is in uh, Brisbane. He looks at me. He's like, oh, you look like a bit of a mutt. I'm like, excuse me? What? I know. And this is me like at the bar, like looking like I, I'm an Anglo-Saxon person. And they have like next to me is my friend who is like half Tongan and like, yeah. maybe Indigenous Australian. He just looked at me and he's like, if, what does he think I am? And I'm like, just stay out of there. Like, oh my God, this is awful. Yeah. But I've, yeah, obviously and incredibly fortunately so have never had to deal too much with like the darker side of like yeah. obsession with like race and ethnicity and stuff like that. I mean, like that's the that's the only advantage mm. of like I guess white passing to a varying degree. But I do think that I've like and I've chatted a fair amount to different people about white passing and the issue I find with it, like like terming terminology more so wise mm. because you had this um we had this era where it was like oh we didn't have white passing as a phrase so everyone used you know people of color or mm. you know you know people of different um cultures and ethnicities and even then some people are like oh you, hmm, you can't say that that's then they're technically not people of color people of color are completely different i'm like well where's the fine line <laughs> like yeah, where make- you walk <laughs> So there was like these, and I guess it, it you know, I think that's a, the, the problem we have with society at the moment is like, there is an element where we are so politically correct that you can't say anything without offending someone, Yeah, which we all walk this fine line. And it, and it particularly like, you, you, I watch it all the time on Q&A and, and shows like that, where you do see people try and express an opinion and they get shut down immediately because they've used the wrong word or they've mm. or misphrased something. And while I agree that language is such an important thing, I do think that the terms of like white passing and stuff like that, uh, it, it it's actually the more common thing then but then people use it as oh but then you're not really like this that, and, and the other so strange that like i find this yeah this obsession with like gatekeeping yeah. in like ethnicity and stuff like that is just bizarre especially after like the way that like history has treated people of color and like all those different things like and i'm, I'm not one who like can completely speak on this like from an honest like truthful point of like, yeah. experience because i've been very fortunate um with like the way that i was brought up and stuff like that but like there's such a weird, yeah, like level of gatekeeping, which I seem like I find like comes a lot from people who are white being like, you can't yeah. say that you're like indigenous, like especially in America. I think there's a lot of that. You can't say like you're indigenous American or whatever. 
because like they're like, oh, well, how much? What's it worth? Like you don't look it. And I'm like, <laughs> why? Why do we need to go into fractions with this? Like, but we are fractions. That's exactly, like, <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. It's um, a mathematical equation. Exactly. Have and you like, thought about it? Again, like as I said earlier, there are bigger things to be worried about. Like why? Um, and I think the thing with language and like the political correctness thing, I think is really interesting because like language, especially where we are currently in like the journey of human experience like yeah. language is changing like crazy like it yeah. is evolving so much and so it's obviously incredibly hard these days to try and say the right thing without making a mistake or missing a certain cue and stuff like that yeah and i think the best way to approach that is just to be like yeah willing to learn and be like that childlike yeah. innocence of wanting to learn because i was talking yeah with a friend of mine who was non-binary and like how they were like um addressing that sort of like correcting their friends when they misgendered and stuff like that and like they said like it's okay like you were like if they were known like as a certain gender their entire life and now their friends are having to like re like what they they said something in a kind of way of like you have like a couple of times to sort of like get used to yeah rephrasing things because you've just said it almost as a muscle memory but muscles are made to change and grow and so you'll yeah. be fine um don't worry like it's okay i know that you were not doing it maliciously <laughs> so that is fine <laughs> But if you were someone else who comes up to me, like a stranger and says, like, I don't you can obviously see the subtext and everything yeah. that they're saying. I and I think that's important to understand when like someone's trying their very best to express something and you know that they're not being malicious yeah. when they say the wrong thing. And I think yeah. I think also we you know, it's such a generational thing because like I I work predominantly in a tech field. Mm. And so I do uh, like I identify as gender fluid. So mm. I think particularly for me, it's very hard to be in a male-dominated tech field to be like, mm-hmm. okay, here's my pronouns. And because I remember... Everyone's like, you're what? I'm uh, like, yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> but I think my favorite thing was there was an email that one of my friends who I used to live with, um, they sent out an email and um, they go by they, them, and she, mm. her, and they sent out this email with their pronouns on it. And, like, my coworker at the time was just like... Why do people do that? I was like, oh, God, <laughs> no. Like, oh, unsafe. Run yeah. away. <laughs> and I was like, I have a lot of respect for you, but I will never tell you the things that I know. Exactly. And it's like, I remember like, and it was it was kind of a hard thing because I, I came out, you know, like a lot of my decisions in life came out mm. much later because, uh, you know, I grew up in the 90s. So the 90s when I was a kid was not the most accepting time. Mm-hmm. So I find like my biggest trials and tribulations came from, finding my identity when I was halfway through my 20s and and coming to terms with a lot of what I'd felt since I was like 14 mm. onwards and going through these stages of being like, am I a guy? Am I a girl? Like, where do I sit in the spectrum? The general, and, just like, what am I? Uh, yeah, and then it's <laughs> like, do I like guys? Do I like girls? I yeah. don't know. And then all these conversations. And then finally it was just like clicked in my, like I had enough, like I had so many exes just go, you are definitely not straight. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, it was my favorite quote. And like, even my best friend to this day, I love it a bit. And she was just like, when I told her, she was like, I'm glad you worked it out. <laughs> That's like when I, I came out to my parents as bisexual and it was the most underwhelming thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think they knew way before I did. You know like, what the saddest, so funny. The saddest thing was my parents didn't know before me. And I was like, <laughs> my mom messaged me because she found out via Instagram. Mm. And I was like. I've been out for two years and she had no idea. <laughs> and she was like, and I was like, you grew up, like you raised me. Yeah, you know you this. Tell? Oh, my, it was so funny. I, the day that like, I came out to my parents, like I had 
like two glasses of wine with my friend trying to get like the courage up. She's like, yeah, you yeah. have to tell them. I'm like, no, I can't. She's like, they probably already know. Like, look at you. I'm like, what do you mean? Um, and like, can't you tell it's oozing out of me? Like, yeah, I've got like-, like me with my multiple rings on and nose piercings and like just. Re- I think I had like purple hair at the time, and she's like, you don't I mean, exactly you- look straight. I mean, like yeah. you know, if I looked at you, I'd be like, nah, just very straight, very hetero. Like, yeah. <laughs> This is me trying to look nice. Uh, but no, okay, I went to my mom and she was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Like, I always knew you had, a, like, something fruity about you. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, ally. Um, but, like, my first memory of, like, that I realized was a memory of, like, my parents knowing that I was definitely, like, a queer kid was I was maybe, like, seven. And I had this best friend. Her name was Zoe. Um, and we just did everything together. Like, yeah. everything. Um, we were like those kids who were obsessed with like fairies. We'd write fairy letters, letters together oh. to fairies. We did everything that was very fun, and like we'd run around and do camping trips and run around like playing Robin Hood and stuff like that. My parents one day were like driving me to school. They're like, so do you like Zoe? I'm like, yeah, I love Zoe. They like, do you love love Zoe? I'm like, I'm seven. I don't know what that concept is yet, but sure. And my parents were like, hmm, okay. <laughs> and as we got older, like maybe the last time I saw her, I was like ten, and like. We were talking, I think we were doing sex ed at a very Catholic school at the time, so it wasn't really sex ed. And I was talking to my mum, reading this book. I'm like, can girls have babies? She's like, no, but they can fall in love. Why do you and Zoe love each other? I'm like, why? What? What is all this talk about Zoe and I? Like, she's really cool, I guess. But then I got older and I was like, yeah, that was definitely a first crush. Just didn't know that that was allowed. Yeah, I thought she was fabulous. Like, she was so cool. And like... So like my first, one of my first male crushes was a Harry Potter. I'm like, he's awesome. He's really cool and really neat. And I was like, I think Zoe's just as cool and neat. <laughs> just did, hadn't figured it out because I didn't know there were words for it and stuff like that. That is it the was cutest. So funny. I mean, like I look. I think it was just kind of my first like realization mm. was trying to convince myself that David Tennant wasn't extremely attractive. Oh my god, um, he's so dreamy. He is so. <laughs> and I remember like he was in. Um, he was in Blackpool and like, he's also in Doctor Who, which I loved, but mm. uh, like, I particularly remember him in Blackpool and he was like uh, late sort of like early thirties. Um, and I was like, who's this? Who's this? And I'm like 14 and I'm like, mm, don't just, you know, to pretend this what doesn't this exist. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> and, I, and I just went through that, like, you know, pre pubescent sort of thing of just, you know, what most teenagers do is lock yourself in a room and watch dark, dark things. <laughs> most parents never want to know. Yeah, it's just best if you just, yeah, um, blinders on. Uh, yes. <laughs> but I mean, like, I, I think it was very interesting because I tried to convince myself because I had a very, like, religious grandmother on my dad's side. So she was, mm-hmm. like, very, like, and I used to be one of those scared children, which was very, like, oh, if I, you know, masturbate, is that going to go to hell? Is this going to, Yeah, like, God's going to make me blind. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> I, don't, I just like think that I <laughs> I just love the idea of God coming down and studying. Yeah, like, just abusing these eyes. children. He's like, how dare you have pleasure? You're like, ah. It's like, how dare you do it? Here is the here is dicks to the eyes, and this will blind you. <laughs> Why is God watching us there? Like, that's a perverted thing to do. I know. It's uh, like it's like when people say God's watching you all the time. Like while I shit. Yeah, like, I mean, like, that's my as a rebuttal as all a kid. I'm like while I'm in the toilet, hmm, that's weird. And everyone's like, that's not the point. I'm like, shut up. Your God isn't the point. <laughs> but I do remember like being intensely, you know, like. And I remember I was like, oh no, it's clearly like um, Sarah Paulson, um, not Sarah Paulson, uh, Sarah Parrish mm. in in the show. And I was like, no, nah, she's the one attractive. And I was like, 
Is she though? <laughs> but David Tennant is also here. Yeah. It's like they're both here. Mm. Wait, wait. <laughs> like, like trying to make your eyes face different directions. <laughs> like, geez. But I think it was like that realization. And I, I just kept like my dad once um, said, he's like, oh, you remind me a lot of David Bowie. <gasps> and I was like, I I was like oh I love I love I love and I think it was like my dad my dad Mm. always knew like he just automatically knew but my dad and I are very similar and I realized that growing up was um he was very similar to me he just didn't identify with other guys so it was like that kind of concept of you're a bloke but you're not in society and then how do you like and Mm. I remember once I was probably about 21 and he was just like he said to me he was like it would have been more sense if I was born a woman and I was like, that is the nicest and most yeah. humbling thing to kind of like have. Well, my... he said that to you. He said that to me. And I was oh, like, that's really nice. That's really kind. And uh, I was like, okay, cool. This is like more of a relation that I have with my dad now. And I think it's just, we get along really well and we talk, but he's very open. He's very emotional. And I think that. Um, what a wonderful mentor to have as well. I feel like not enough people have such a strong masculine energy in their lives. Like, Yeah. It's- but it's complete opposite because growing up he was, he because he had so much childhood trauma himself, mm. he didn't know how to compartmentalize. And then it was through a lot of therapy and a lot of like working out and a lot of like particularly after his mother died it was kind of just this big open up of to his kids he was like yeah okay now my parents are no longer around i have no These obli- are all you have basically yeah, yeah. Like my obligation is to my children and mm. i need to make sure that their remainder of my existence is not in vain and not remembered as i guess this very bitter person towards their own parents and very appreciative because he all he wanted ever was for us to have a good life and i yeah. think a lot of that came out and through <laughs> just general hatred towards his own parents <laughs> and and trying not and particularly because his mother was so religious it, like he wasn't he's a he's an agnostic he mostly believes in nothing uh, mm. other than the rules of science and i think particularly he was just trying his both his siblings are super religious really and, wow. yeah so he's the only one and yeah all my cousins on those sides and i and i love my cousins very much but i do find that it, it is one of those things that when I, you know i do talk to my, um, my dad's brother occasionally he's really lovely but dad is currently estranged from his sister mm. because she just completely threw like yeah family drama happened and dad was just like cool i don't really want to spend any more time with you and you've just kind of yeah like you're crapped. making it difficult yeah. yeah and i think it was also because the um like my aunt particularly had my nan on her side and then it was suddenly that funnel shift kind of disappeared and then all she had was her brothers and she didn't know how to talk to her brothers Mm. so it was very clear that there was a lot of pent-up issues that's so interesting it's so strange like something i realized like recently like a couple of years back like just before lockdown was like i had that realization which everyone does is that you realize that your parents are just people yeah. with their own drama and their own history before you. Because like for ages when you're a kid, you're like, oh, they're these like pedestal like people <laughs> who know everything. And then yeah, you get older to a certain age, and you're like, oh my god, like you were just yeah, you were just a person, and yeah. you have just as many flaws as I do. Like it's such an interesting and almost at times like heartbreaking change and yeah. thing to realize, but it just makes everything so much easier once you get past that point. I think your dad probably had like a similar thing, being yeah. like, I don't have to be. Like my parents, I don't have to follow this path because they said it that way. Like, it's, yeah, yeah. I th- and I think it's really important to kind of like raise, you know, because I definitely want to have kids one day, but I also want to raise them in a society that, you know, has a very like 
you know, do what you want to do. Don't kill people, but yeah, do just don't do crime too much. Don't, you know, <laughs> do drugs safely. If, yeah. if you want to tell me about them, go right ahead. Like, just let me know. Don't do anything that uh, is too stupid. In yeah, just don't do a murder. Don't do a bankrupt. Like, yeah, like yeah, just just things. don't get yourself caught. And basically, if yeah, you, just if do the, crime well. <laughs> You're going to murder people. Do it properly. <laughs> Here's my advice. <laughs> this is going to turn into a crime podcast. I'm like, hi, hot tips of murder with Rose. <laughs> I mean, like, do you listen to true crime? I listen to way too much. I used to, not as much as I used to. I've now moved on to like Dungeons and Dragons podcasts. You're um, such a nerd. I am such a nerd. I'm really, like, I... I've literally got Dungeons and Dragons coming up this Saturday. I'm very excited to play. Oh, I did cancel my session tonight to do this, which I, I was like so fine with. But yeah. Can I just say thank you for making time in your incredible schedule? Because that is yeah. sick as fuck. Yeah. I text like the party. I'm like, hey guys, I can't do a session tonight. I'm on a podcast. <laughs> They're like, that's so cool. Is it a D&D podcast? I'm like, I'm going to make it one. <laughs> so yeah. How often do you guys get together and play? Um, We play. So the one that I'm DMing, I play fortnightly as much as I can. It's completely homebrewed one. So I I do fortnightly so I have time to prepare and stuff like that. And then there's another one I play in, which my partner runs. He's wonderful. He's doing a Curse of Strahd game, which is a lot of fun. Wow. Yeah, really fun. So it's very spooky, gothic, vampiric, like werewolves, all that stuff. With oh, just, shit, yeah. Yeah, with like three just absolute crack addict queers playing characters, just unraveling everything that he's planned out. Um, which is really fun. It's great. And we're like myself and like one other player are both actors as well. So like oh. our improv is just ridiculous and he's watching us like go on these tangents. He's like, How, what, what is going on? <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. I'm already like in love with what you do. <laughs> <laughs> I play board games. He's like, oh, yeah. I just, I love board games and I, I miss them. playing D and D so mm. much. And it is one of my like favorite pastimes. It's also just, I love a good DM and it's like, um, I used to play episodic because my shift work yeah. was like so terrible. <laughs> so oh, we'd meet yeah. up like once every two or three weeks and then play a game. But, it, you know, it was one of those things that um, when we did, we'd have to recap. Yeah, you'd have the right, the notes right. Well, we're the same because like the party I run, like the, we're all bartenders. We all work together or some of us used to work and have moved on. So like it's our catch up and keeping us like sort of sane. And we, we say it's like fortnightly, but it's only like fortnight and then like a month and then two weeks in a row and it's just it's bizarre but it's yeah very similar like i have to write notes and be like what happened because it's especially because it's homebrew as well like i'm like yeah. i can't remember where we are what's going on and like what i plan is not what the, the players do so i'm like they're on the fly trying to make up and figure out things to do and i'm like why did they do this <laughs> i know and it's like almost when you know they give you you know as a dm you give them a direction and you're like and they're like nah fuck that yeah i'm like <laughs> you have two doors like we found a secret third door i'm like x how <laughs> yeah i didn't prepare this yeah. like where is this leading all right sure let's like write <laughs> notes <laughs> <laughs> fuck you guys uh, yeah my entire notes are just screaming like <laughs> ah! i think it's like yeah it's always my favorite is just watching and especially if you go into like D D lore and mm. you go into the old books like you used mm. to find in the, in the bookshop um yeah like some of the like spells and stuff that you cast oh my god and then the rules that some of them would have where you can't do two things at once and i'm like are you fucking for real like how I uncoordinated were these original characters <laughs> Like it's like um and and like one of my favorite role play um role playing games is actually a great board game called um uh uh, Dra uh Fury of Dracula. What is this? It's such a good game. It's like six hours. It's worth a play. Okay, cool. It's so good. <laughs> but basically, you get shifts, and you get the day shift where all the four main characters play, and then mm. you get the night shift 
where Dracula gets to move <gasps> secretly. And he Ooh. has his own map so he can hide in locations that no one knows. And then if he manages to enslave the world, then the players are fucked. Mm. But if they manage to find him and kill him before then, then it's like battleships with yeah, vampires and, that's and it's so cool. so cool like oh that sounds fun. it's such a fun game and like yeah like i haven't played in a few years but i had the board game here and then like i love horror games particularly but i'm also just like a horror fanatic yeah uh, oh, i love horror movies so much and anything horror related like i absolutely adore like you were saying earlier like yeah Gemma Toro is making a pinocchio yeah. and i'm like i hope it's terrifying i just yeah. like i literally i the first thing um when i was about like 19 was watch horror and then i was like oh my god i can't ever go back and watch not people <laughs> getting mutilated uh, <laughs> really kind of set my sociopathic psycho like analyzing nature in yeah. the set in stone uh be worried in a dark alley <laughs> <laughs> well the dark I walked down to get yeah, to this no. house. This is actually <laughs> the not a spooky ha- tree. Yeah. The fr- I was looking at the front. I'm like, this looks like a D and D mansion. I'm like, I'm gonna die. <laughs> um, it, I love the fact that the house looks so ominous. Yeah. Um, but no, I think I think particularly with that is just you know horror is such a staple, and it's the reason like I originally probably like I got into acting because I like I wanted to do sci-fi. Mm. So I wanted mm. to particularly get into sci-fi genre, and then it kind of like I went into what would it be like to produce. What would yeah. it be like to make and direct? And like, I, I do a lot of, st- I do too much stuff, uh, <laughs> but I do a lot of like, I, I um, co-write stuff with friends and then I like make stuff. I try and make short films when in between my actual hectic life. Yeah. Um, and even then, like I spent about two years co-writing a script with a friend um, and yeah, I had this horror film in a drawer, which is literally like very dark and twisted and fucked up. So um, I can't wait to make it one day and not oh, wow. sit in the drawer. Um, I might tell you about it after. Please this. do. And yeah. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I want to talk about you and particularly like where this journey of creativity started for you. Oh God. Yeah. Cause like, let's go back to little Rose. Little Rose. And, and where little Rose grew into yeah. that. Um, so <laughs> to the queer flower. Little, that you little queer flower. The Okay. Um, no, Little Rose has always wanted to be an actor, um, which is really sweet. I, the reason I went back to acting school is I found a little letter to myself. Like I was at my parents' house and was like, I can't wait to be an actor. I was like, oh, I've got to do it now. Like in a child <laughs> healing or something. Um, no, so I've always loved like creativity um, has been something that's just been like my family's blood. Like my yeah. dad's a musician, like a hobby musician. He's now a, a lawyer, but he's just a mean guitar player. Like he's got so many at home. He's got his own music room now, which is fantastic. Yeah, he's like a dedicated hobby guitarist. He's very good. Uh, my mum is an artist, She, ne- but not her day job. But yeah, again, like very, very artistic, like drew, like painted and stuff like that. Yeah. I remember going to her like art exhibitions as a kid. Um, and then like, yeah, like my uncles and aunts are all very musical and like just yeah. generally like we're all very artsy people oh, fuck so yeah. it was just sort of something that was like a given like yeah. i can't do math and science to save myself but i can <laughs> <laughs> i can sing dance and act yeah that's all i can do um so yeah like acting was something that sort of came out of like as a kid i had this obsession with stories and storytelling yeah um and like growing up on a farm not very much to do this is back when like dial-up internet was still a thing and like dad would say like it doesn't work because i just don't want to deal with kids watching tv and on the internet all the time so I'd, like he'd give me a stick, send me and my sister on the way into the paddocks and we'd just have fun. And that's, yeah, I just, I'd make up these incredible worlds in my head. Like I've always had a very, 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 very like vivid, almost out of control imagination. Um, Love that. Really, really good. Not fun and in a dark hallway at night when you're running to your bedroom after the bathroom. Terrifying time. <gasps> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm like, there's something that's going to eat me. <laughs> yeah, like I, 
a very vivid imagination. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just grew up like telling stories to my sister. Like I'd put on, pl- I was the kid who put on plays for like yeah. the cousins and stuff like that. Like I'd make short films with like my shitty little VHS camera and like try and edit it together with like iMovie or whatever it was before <sighs> iMovie was a thing. Like, it was, yeah. like yeah, Macintosh something or yeah, Microsoft. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember, like one time I made a little like a plasticine stop motion film, and Dad's like, okay, well, like, do you want to do a NIDA short course for, like? um like kids and I was yeah. Like, yeah sure i'll try that and that's basically like i know i was like maybe 10 or 11 it's why i realized that like you can do storytelling and like playing pretend for money and i was like this is fantastic <laughs> this is fa- like amazing i play pretend all the time like all i do is like have these like long form like playing pretend games with my friends at like lunch times we'd play over like months we'd have these yeah. worlds and stuff like that um which is always fantastic like, i think i was like like you want to do sci-fi i want to do Fantasy would be really fun. I think, yeah. yeah, it would be really cool. Um, or just, yeah, like, basically just be in, in any of the books that I read as a kid. Like, oh, I know, oh. right. So, yeah, I remember reading Skullduggery Pleasant as a kid. It was, like, my favorite book ever. I don't I've know if never read. heard of it. It's fantastic. There was, like, <laughs> there's probably going to be one listener who's like, I, I know that book. And I loved it. I was obsessed with it. There was a character in it called um, Valkyrie Kane. And she had like an illustration in the front cover of what she looked like. I'm like, that looks like me. Like, that's me. This is yeah. incredible. And I was like, well, now I have to become an actress because I'm nearly at the same age that she is. And when they produce the movie, like, I've got to be there. I've got to be her. <laughs> I was like, this has to be me. So that's when like, I buckled down. Like, started doing drama seriously in high school. Like, did all these other short courses and yeah. intenses if I could. Um, and I got, then I got older than Valkyrie Kane was in the books. And I was like, oh no, what do I do? Um, and um, this is like by the time I'm graduating high school, like I'd done heaps of acting like, yeah. in, in school, like musicals, plays, um, <laughs> always got the lead because like there was five of us in the drama club and I was the one who took it seriously. I was like, I am going to be in this play. I was in a small country town, so there wasn't much comp- competition anyway. <laughs> uh, so it was, it was very easy. <laughs> but yeah, I then like got to like, yeah, end of grade 12 and I was like, it's the time to go to acting schools. And I was like, I have no idea what I want to do. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I'm not, I had my first ever taste of imposter syndrome and it hit me like a truck. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can't do this. No. Yeah. Um, so I didn't do acting. I went to university because it's what you do. And I signed up for like a creative writing course and started doing yeah. like, um, studying Shakespeare, like dramaturgy and mainly writing and like a bit of language here and there. Like I learned Latin for a little bit, which was yeah. just painful I can but really cool really cool to learn about but I'm just like I'm never doing that again <laughs> I would have just rather learned Spanish or something um but yeah so I did writing um and then something happened I don't know what it was but just something in my brain turned off yeah and all that creative like vivid imagination that I had for like all through my youth and stuff I, I'm still young what am I saying all through like, my childhood was just gone yeah it was so strange and it was like this heartbreaking thing like I felt like this numbness and I was like this is awful like what do I do so I just decided to leave it all drop out of uni moved to Melbourne for four years didn't touch like writing or like singing or acting or anything I was living this very very bland life it was awful mm. I hated it like I look back on those days I'm like Jesus Christ that was a dark time for me um and then like yeah basically was falling more and more into the spiral like I've lost what it is that makes me me, which is my creativity. Like everyone in my family has it. Why did mine go away? Like Mm. you ever see those like things in like movies when like the heroine, she just loses her power. That's what it felt. It was this awful feeling. I'm like, I can't, I I don't know who I am. Um, And my mom eventually saw me like spiraling after like four years. She's like basically packed me in a suitcase, took me home to the farm, 
chucked me in like the cottage that we have attached to the house and she's like, you're going to sit here and you're going to get your shit together. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like sure. And it was again, like that same thing of like being on the farm, nothing to do slowly. Like all these sparks started coming back of like, I'd like, I'd write a short story or I'd found like my old, like under Google drive, like writing folder and just found all these old things in there. I'm like, Oh my God, I could finish that. Cause there's yeah. nothing else to do. Um, and eventually like, I'm like, I'm getting more like, bigger and bigger. This itch of like the snowball rolling down this hill of like creativity that's slowly coming back. And this is in Rockhampton. And I got this like maybe a year into like living back at home. Um, I got an email from my old drama teacher mm. from high school. Who's only like, like five years older than me anyway. And she's like, hey. And I'm like, oh, hi, Jess. Or oh, Mrs. Light. I don't know what to call you. Uh, she's like, yeah, Jess is fine. And she's like, I've got this audition for this play that I wrote coming up. Would you like to be in it? I'm like, oh, why? She's like, well, because like I was your drama teacher. I know you can do that. You can act. I'm like, no, that was just because it was a small class. She's like, no worries. You can act. You know what you're doing. Come do the play. Um, auditioned, got a play, got a, a part, I think because she'd written this role. <laughs> she's like, this is for a raise. Um, and it was just this weird, like, putting back on these boots that I hadn't touched in like years and it was fantastic. Yeah. Like there was always that like I forgot how addictive it is to be on stage and have that adrenaline and like to be telling a story to an audience. Like it doesn't matter. I find with my acting training now, especially being at acting school, it doesn't matter how much training or work or like script analysis and all this hard work you put in. If it doesn't affect the audience, it doesn't matter. Because yeah. it's never about you. It's always about telling the story and the other person and like what the audience is seeing. Yeah. It is always about the story. It doesn't matter. Yeah. How, unfortunately, it doesn't matter how good of an actor you are as long as people are enjoying it and you're getting the story across. Like, that's what it's about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think people forget a lot and I forgot a lot as well, which is probably how I lost that creativity because I was like, I have to be the best and I want to be this like incredible, like yeah. unstoppable force, but I forgot what the essence of it was. I mean, yeah. uh, the, uh, I think that's extraordinary. Like, it's extraordinary that you come out the other end yeah. and being like, oh my God, you know, this is this is something I felt like I lacked. Yeah. Um, but particularly, like, I, 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 get, <laughs> I completely relate to you when you have that imposter syndrome and you, you sort of like, oh shit, what am I actually doing? Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm literally going through that at the moment. Like I've had last, yeah. like particularly last week, the, uh, I, I was sort of thinking back to this year's been an absolute shocker. Which <laughs> seemed like a mental shocker. Because like my partner and I moved in together and then suddenly all these sort of health related and like life changes happened. And I was just yeah. like keeping on top of this. You know, I think particularly like when I started this podcast, particularly it was kind of like a reflection because I didn't, you know, there was a lockdown, didn't mm. have anything creative to do. So I created this and because like I couldn't go out and film. And then I had set all these projects aside and then suddenly it was like coming back to this and I was like, oh my God, what is, you know, like, and you suddenly have this machine. I was able, like literally last year, I was able to release one episode every week mm. for 52, um, 52 weeks. This year, I've not been able to do that. It's sporadic <laughs> as anything, fuck. Because, like, I've had so much happen. Yeah. And I think... Life's back and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I think that, you know, like, some interviews I've recorded months ago still need to be released. And mm. I think that, you know, while these people are awesome and they're, they're fine for the, you know, the weight, it is kind of like this. I think you do feel like, you know, it's like, well, who was that version last year? Like, was the imposter... Yeah. Was that an imposter? Have I done something wrong? No, same person. Just that that life has changed. So like your workload literally mm -hmm. shifts. And I think that, and I still go through this, like where I go, I haven't done enough. What is my career doing? Oh, I have this argument with my partner all the time. He's like, just sit down and rest. I'm like, I could be doing something else yeah, like, while I'm resting. He's like, no, just be. I'm like, what? And that's like probably a thing that like probably keeps me 
most centers like just thinking like just be just sit yeah. there and so when you get taught in acting school like just sit in the space just breathe look at someone else i'm like that's ridiculous but it's such an important thing to learn especially people like us who are creative and we want to get everything done all the time and we want to create yeah. all this stuff when you just sit and be I guess that's the hardest thing to do. And yet that is sometimes like the most fascinating thing to watch someone do. Yeah, I, I know. I think it's interesting. Yeah, And I think it was like where I learned, particularly where I loved acting the most was actually observing other people going to parks. Like when I remember, yeah. like, <laughs> uh, you know, one, um, one course of the ATYP taught me was that you just go and observe people. And mm. I did this um, great Rowan Atkinson sketch um, where I did this like, Hell monologue, he plays the devil. Oh, the devil, yeah, yeah I've seen that. It's so good. So good. Anyway, so I did good. that as part of, like, it was a monologue course, so we did this sort of, like, I, I picked that, and all the people in the class, one of them was like, oh, there's someone who looks exactly like your character, so we kind of stalked this <laughs> <laughs> to get the mannerisms. But it was so much fun because we'd all find people for each other in this class. Like, we'd mm. be like, oh, try and duplicate what they're doing. Because this was like, you know, we go down to the circular key, so it was like massively Yeah, packed. we did a character class too. It was fascinating. Yeah. It was so weird. Yeah. Um, but I miss, I'm, I think that's what I love about acting. And particularly, like, also just what we do and don't do, because particularly, like, with voice, um, and, uh, you know, like you and I have particularly emotive voices, mm. but a lot of the time I feel like, the, you know, what's that rule they teach you about acting is acting is reacting. Is reacting. Back. Exactly. And yeah. I like a personal despise, I think when I meet like some actors out there and like I've worked with a lot of them is particularly when actors need a lot of lines. I'm like the whole point of a character might, you know, like it's like Jennifer Lawrence. She was in a film once. She barely had any lines for like five scenes, yeah. I think. And then suddenly she had lines and it was the most impactful character. Like, you know, it's like um, you see so many famous actors who never have a line. Mm. And the point is, you know, they're in the film, you see them. They're the kind of one who's just watching, observing. Well, it. it's like, and this is like, hopefully not to spoil anything, but like House of the Dragon. Have you seen that? I haven't. Well, <laughs> I, without spoiling anything, like Matt Smith's character, he's incredible. You've probably seen like reviews and stuff being like, he put on the most incredible performance without saying a single word. And like when you do, if you watch, I recommend you do watch it. You'll get to the scene, you'll see it. And you're like, this man has told so much emotion and so much about what his inner turmoil and monologue is just by like his body language, his micro expressions on his face. Yeah. Like that's what acting is. It's like, yeah, it's reacting and listening and like everything's on the other person and like you can find a lot of what you need to do for your performance from what someone else is doing yeah and i find that like so fun to do and like the moment you find yourself thinking about that and doing that you're like oh my god it's bizarre but like you like i've started doing a couple like a lot of camera work and like um just self-tapes in general like watching myself react to like what my reader would say like they'd say something not the way i planned it to and watching my face change i'm like that's it like that's what people love to watch is like that yeah. weird reaction and those thoughts behind your eyes yeah the, the thoughts you want to yeah. see someone having thoughts is all you need yeah, to see you don't want a blank canvas of doing nothing yeah like i'm actively listening and yeah. that's all i'm doing like you clearly like you know, when you you try to like maintain con like eye contact with someone like you're listening and like you're like i'm paying attention to what you're saying i'm paying attention to what yeah. you say but you've realized you haven't had a single thought in like three minutes and you haven't listened to a word that the person said because you were so actively listening that you've just like blank faced them. I think I did that the other day. I was like, oh shit, whoops. <laughs> but it's it's so funny. I was laughing about it. Like, cause it's something that we, I did for a long time in the beginning of like my acting yeah. schooling and career. Just like, yeah, I'd be like, I'm listening. And this is me listening. And it was just the most boring performance in the world. You're like, this is acting. Yeah, just blank face staring. Yeah, looking like <laughs> ditto the Pokemon, just staring at <laughs> her, like straight faced. Uh, I love it. It's so funny to watch how that's grown and how like yeah, 
yeah, trusting myself that I know what's being like, I know what my next line is. So just listening to the next person. And it's like, but even then, like when you do those, like sort of just, you let go of what's going on and you listen to what's being said, you then just get to go into the story yourself. And it's back to that whole like yeah. idea of like, we're playing pretend. This is really fun. What's going to happen next? It, and, it, yeah. and it's very interesting because there's certain characters where like, I, I literally, if I'm really immersed in something, I forget I'm there. Like yeah. it's, it's such a weird like mentality. And it was one of those things because I hadn't touched acting in so long. And then when I started like reading my own scripts and I was like, oh, I've written this, like, let me give it a go. Mm. And then, like, you get into that mindset of actually doing it. And I think, like, I I went on, like, I went on the downward spiral, which was, like, stepping away from acting because I suddenly had a massive stage fright. Like, I just, like, literally could not get yeah. on stage without having, like, anxiety. I was like, well, this is fucked. This is great. Where does this come from? Why yeah. is this happening? And, yeah. and I think it was, like, one of those things. So I stepped to behind the roles. And then, like, a bunch of my awesome friends encouraged me to, like, you know, give bits and pieces of try of projects of myself. And it has helped massively because then when I watch things back, I'm like, oh, that's not me. Mm. Like that's, I, I see me, but I don't see me at the same time. It's like, you don't really see your whole self. Mm. You see aspects of you because like, obviously your, your physicality, uh, you can't everything. exactly strip everything. Um, yeah. But like, there's a lot more than the, just like the straight mannerisms. And I feel like also it's there's something about performing as well like where you are like if you love acting you always have like people know other actors like you just know yeah and i've yeah. throughout my entire life everyone's been like you did acting didn't yeah, you you were the drama kid in school it's like, <laughs> it's like oh fuck there you go i can't <laughs> like, oh, hide no. this <laughs> i can't hide this try i get that all the time like i'd have like lunch with my parents recently after they see me like oh you're so dramatic i'm like i'd hope so it's my yeah. career like i need to be <laughs> like ugh. it's like my mom's just like oh you're so dramatic i'm like hmm mm. mm, dark thoughts dark <laughs> thoughts <laughs> murder (laughs) um but no i do i do agree with that as well like i mean particularly like is film like something you really want to go into i think so i think probably a bit of both like i i i love theater i think it's wonderful to be able to do the same thing every night over and over again i think there's such a skill in that yeah but film i guess has its own i think because i've it's quite new to me in my sort of career of what I've done. I've only ever done sort of theater stuff. And so film is something that I find fascinating because there is so much more like ability to create a world with obviously like editing and yeah. CGI and what they do these days. Whereas like theater has its own, like you can create these worlds on stage obviously, but there's still like a certain limitation. Like you can't have a live CGI dragon. Yeah. Um, but film you, you can. What do you <laughs> There's a new play coming up. Actually, I have a secret to tell you. We've got a dragon. Um, uh, no, well, I was like, thinking it's wicked, and you know, the, yeah. <laughs> like the one on the stage literally does it for 30 seconds and then just closes. Yeah, like that's <laughs> all we have money for. Yeah, no, budget ran out. <laughs> exactly. And no, I think film's definitely something I'd love to get into. I love indie film. I think that's really yeah. cool. I think it's great. And the indie films that I've seen, like even those indie films that blow up and become these incredible, like, I think they're fabulous because they have some for some reason just have so much more like grit and humanity to them and honesty. Yeah. Like you again, like Marvel movies, fantastic, incredible, but like things like even like what are some like big company like Warner dramas? Brothers. Yeah. Like um are you are you <laughs> like, like you have like things like Blue Valentine, which are these like devastatingly like oh. gritty films that just feel like you're watching humans go through shit. Or like, um, I mean, I, they were going through. Yeah, shit, exactly. Like. <laughs> or like Coda and like things like that. Incredible films, um, which I think I think in 
fairly independent or whatever. I'm not sure. But like, I think Coda is. I mean, like, it's yeah. interesting because a lot of these independent films are, like, are run by big studios. Yeah. I mean, like, um, but I do agree with you. I think that in particular, like, um, Ty West is one who I'm watching the mm. um, Innkeepers at the moment, which is a great indie film, really good horror. But particularly, it's the way it's shot. You can tell it was, like, it was done on a budget. Like it was. What was that film a while back that was filmed entirely on iPhones and it did really well at some festival? I can't remember what it was, but I remember. I know seeing, the one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, that's fantastic. Like, I love that kind of thing. Like, yeah, you can have these like, yeah, sort of dramas that are sort of like look like indies, they're faux indies, but then you see the real gritty ones that are made by people who like you probably know by three degrees of separation. Those yeah. are the ones that I love. Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to with like, yeah, like film and getting into that sort of a lot more is like doing these sort of like stories that like aren't too disconnected yet by like big companies and like producers and executive producers being like, no, this is going to make us more money. They have a lot more freedom to what they want to make. I think it's also like there's pros and cons to because like, I feel like particularly with like, you know, showmanship, like Blumhouse, pictures and mm. you know and everything they're, they're made on a budget like they're made yeah. on a very tight budget so that means like everyone kind of earns a very <laughs> small amount like you're just like here's your pittance yeah um, but i mean like i think the thing i love about the industry and and particularly about the indie industry is it's not about the money and how much profit that everyone independently mm. makes in it it's how it's received like how that film is received because yeah. if you love the process it's always like the thing of I would love to, you know, do 120, 130% on a film that I think is great and has mm-hmm. a good crew, has a good cast. Really, everyone's pushing their best efforts. And, you know, you know, you might get a sandwich like out of it. Yeah, like, exactly. It, it's, yeah. it's that mentality of just keep pushing because the ones that I find are less fun and the ones that are like... Uh, uh, I find that people kind of get into, and especially in this modern era, always going for like, oh, but you know, pay is important. I was like, well, yeah, but the, we live in such a capitalistic society that basically, mm. like, you know, it's impossible to be like poor. <laughs> like it's, exactly. So yeah. It, I think, yeah, there's like, like you were saying, that like, there's films where like you know that everyone gave their, their heart and yeah. soul into. One, they, they just feel different when you watch them yeah. and they mean something more. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I'd rather watch, I'd like, be in something in a project like that where I've just given everything I can and maybe had, yeah, a sandwich or like a free cup of coffee than have like this big budget yeah. film and be like, I felt so detached the entire time. Yeah. Because like, that is what, like, like, maybe just for me personally, like, my craft is like, yes, it drives me insane and I will have like stress meltdowns like in show week, but I love it and I will keep doing it again and again and again and again. And if I don't love it that much, I'm like, I don't really want to do it. <laughs> like if it's it's if it's not like I'm digging my teeth into something incredible that I know that I'm a part of, like Yeah. It's this weird, like fucked up macabre like grittiness that actors have. Like it's almost like this obsessive love that we have for the craft, which is why we do it, because like acting school is grueling. Yeah. And the career itself is awful like you are going to be very very financially insecure for a very long time what's financial um, security I mean, <laughs> what <laughs> it's, it's like everyone just goes oh how did you afford all this gear by not eating yeah like, like, <laughs> like literally 17 night shifts like, like literally how how you afford anything is just insane and i think mm. i think it's like um you know, I get everyone has an income and stuff, but it is nuts, like, yeah. to how much the expectation. Even now, it's like being 30 and trying to make stuff. It, it's still, it, like, mm. you're just like, oh, my God, a lot of money has to go into this thing that I don't actually have that much money. Okay. And everyone's just, like, uses you as a wheelhouse mm-hmm. to learn skills. And while that's fantastic in some ways, 
it's stress inducing. Oh, it's the entire industry as well. Everyone's like, what can you do for me with no money involved? Yeah. But also, I want you to teach me these skills, but I'm not going to. Yeah, it's it's this horrible cycle we seem to be stuck in as artists, obviously. But like, yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> everyone's just so like chill with it. Like, yeah, that's okay. Like, I have to work like a 60 hour week in a bar job whilst also doing self tapes and auditions and all this stuff as well. And I was like, that's normal. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> I know. And, it, it? and then it's like, you know, and I feel, mm. you know, it, it's one of those things because like I work a full-time job and and even mm. then it's like my salary does not cover yeah, like exactly. anything that I actually want. It's like I live comfortably, but that's about the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's like one of those things that you basically sacrifice happiness. Yeah. There's a lot of sacrificing to, you know, in this industry to make something and yeah i think we definitely we're the people who like he we work to live don't live to work like yeah. in its own way like once we are working actors like that is everything yeah and so like yeah you have people who are actors like or like if, if any artist like oh so what's your survival job until you like this i'm like survival job i think is a hilarious phrase to have as an artist like this is what pays the bills so i can do this thing that hasn't paid me any money yet but i really think it's cool yeah and but, it's like yeah. it might never pay it me. Might never <laughs> actually yeah um, but it's it's like you know like um you know it's there are so many talented actors out there mm. and i think um particularly um oh, why is the name escaped me oh my god he lives nearby <laughs> in wolf creek oh what's his face not not the wolf creek murderer guy yeah like, oh him i know the one you're talking about yeah the like the what's his name i can't remember i haven't seen wolf uh, creek since i was like 12 character's name is Mick Taylor. He is. Oh my God, it escaped me. But yeah, he wasn't like he didn't do much until Wolf Creek, did he? No, he did. He yeah. did odd odd bits oh, and bobs. Yeah. Um, uh, I live near him. He lives in the area. <laughs> that's something that weirded me out about moving to Sydney from a country town. Everyone's yeah. like, "Yeah, that's like you know Sam Worthington's down the road." I'm like, "What? That's yeah, so cool." <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, they're such average people. Like when you mm. see them out and about. Um, and I think that you uh, when you walk around in Sydney and you see all these famous people and then you're just like hi bye it kind of takes a lot of the shine away from just mm. everyone actually and then you watch how many jobs they actually do and how many like big budget films they do and then they do independent films like I saw mm. Hugo Weaving in a play yeah. and I'm like I see him so often in plays my best friend is close family friends with him and um she like she was telling me once like and I had already seen Samara Weaving in a film like in yeah. The Babysitter and like my friend just went oh yeah Samara's just in a film and I'm like you mean Samara Weaving and it's like yeah, yeah. I was like I've seen her films and it's like oh yeah what do you, what do you think and I was like they're great all my <laughs> friends at work are going she's amazing <laughs> but it's like it's such a disconnect where you just you don't have that realization that everyone yeah. else knows and it's the same thing of when I mention some friends and everyone's like I know that person and I'm like really that's so yeah i have a friend of mine who's in a netflix series and it's so weird because like i've only I've ever known him as just like my mate and then he's like yeah i did a series a while back i'm like oh when's it coming i was like who, who fucking knows <laughs> and it eventually came out and i was like yeah that's just that's just jack it's fine but then like <laughs> my partner met him and he was like you're the dude from that show <laughs> he's like yeah, I'm like, what? Oh, that's right. I forget. Like, you're an actor, much yeah. like I am. Yeah. It's really weird. He's like, yeah, whatever. It's so bizarre, especially having like a lot of friends now. Like we have like, you know, barbecues or like parties every now yeah. and then. And just all of us hanging out. So we're all so used to us being just, yeah, working yeah. out. Some of us do really well. Some of us have like a lot of indie like shows and like plays and 
TV shows, whatever that is. Then you have that one person who's clearly not part of the acting scene who's just sitting at this party freaking out. And I think it is the funniest thing to watch because they're like, you're the, you're in this, you're in that. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I've also seen them with their head in a toilet. After oh, yeah. Too much tequila. <laughs> I think so my fun. favorite thing about the acting industry as well is it's very incestuous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like um i think it's just it's always been like that i i like there is a list of who's like slept with who mm-hmm. who's made out with who it is a lot the first bit of advice i got in acting school was don't sleep together no. <laughs> and i was like oh okay and i've stuck to that rule <laughs> i've done really well <laughs> it was like yeah like i think it took me to like yeah like i was like wait until like just at least third year i'm like okay fine but then like third year came around we're all like all right guys we've done our time <laughs> we can all touch each other but yeah and then also i think probably worked better for us because we had to go into lockdown so we're yeah. like oh, we can't touch anyone <laughs> but it's like the thing like every single year in acting school they're like don't sleep together yet just just I know. wait just wait. i know <laughs> it's it's very like determined and oh, it's, it's like- so funny like these tired teachers there with like a cigarette their hand like please just don't and I'm like oh why and then you see you're like yeah. oh my god yeah and then the drama ensues mm-hmm. like um I think it's worse when you actually work with people like I uh, I literally worked with um <laughs> I ended up sleeping with two people I worked with and I was like I don't know if that's worse like <laughs> I don't I don't know if it's like you know as bad as in you know like uni as it is in like real. <laughs> oh yeah. Because no, when I'm... you work with people and you're all employed, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're like I'm being paid to be here, so yeah, it's fine. Yeah, and then it's mm. just like everyone has these conversations and opinions, and you're like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I do think that as as performers and stuff, we mm. very, I think we get very used to like seeing each other, like especially mm. because I think that you know, like they talk about you know, um. Uh, intimacy coordinators and stuff mm. like that but I do think there's an element where we're all very comfortable you know depending on but a lot of there was a lot more actors who are very oh, comfortable course, with yeah. just being like cool what do you want them to do okay cool I'll talk to this person and and you used to kind of be mm. your own intimacy coordinator until well, like I guess, recently yeah because we have to be so okay with vulnerability all the time like that's yeah. probably why we're all so like incestuous and so okay with each other <laughs> it's like, like I've seen the darkest sides of you in an exercise or a rehearsal room and yeah. it's like I feel like yeah we all bond very, very quickly. Like mm. I yeah, did the same thing with like uh, like the last play I did before I went to acting school was like, yeah, like talking with my castmates. Then we like went for a glass of wine and like it's probably our first meeting and then we're discussing every single thing so in depth because we just have to be so available for vulnerability with everyone yeah. you have. Um, didn't sleep together. She was a married woman with two children who were very cute, but I was like, no, it's okay. I'll let you. She's the one who got away. Uh, <laughs> the only one. Yeah, no, she was the one actually who inspired me to go to my current acting school, which is Actor Centre Australia. Yeah, she's like, you should check it out. That's where I went. And I'm like, well, I think you're a good actor. So clearly that's a good thing. I should try. Um, but yeah, like that, we were just discussing it the other day, like that sort of ability and readiness to be, yeah, like vulnerable and then also to receive that vulnerability, yeah. I think is a skill that like like specifically actors have. Yeah, which is so like I yeah you'd go like I don't know a couple of lawyers in like the office room and ask them to do the same thing they'd freak out they'd be crying throwing up and just ripping their hair out like no that's horrible why would you do that I'm like it's just part of the job. Yeah, I think and it's then, also yeah. like I, it, we're just you know we're very kind of throw yourself in it Mm -hmm. and um be ready to fail type yeah yeah and i think it's just like you know particularly when you write you know when you write stories or you sort of conjure up scenes um you just kind of just go and there's always talk like i think 
um, and you just go, okay, well, how do you feel about this? How do you feel like that? When you open the conversation, I feel like it's the worst when people don't voice conversations though, mm. because then I feel like, you know, people just leave it to the interpretation, in which case is where you fall into the negative traps. Like yeah. you fall into those, no one raised an opinion. So therefore it's like, oh, but I didn't consent. And so, like, well, you know, like, unfortunately, according to this legal document we that you to, signed, yeah. You said yes, so you can't like there's I get from lawyers' perspectives and I get from all these things of like mm. we do sign contracts, we do like agree to things, but then we've also got to be upfront from the get-go. And I think that like not while you and I particularly are very honest people, mm. I don't think that comes naturally to all actors. Oh, like, of course it's not, very no. kind of like, oh, I've got a barrier. Yeah. And you will never like know this other side of me. Oh, and I think it's just such a limiting thing. Like obviously you can have your secrets and your privacy to certain aspects of your life. That's understandable. But like <laughs> what? You can be secret and private? Yeah, sometimes you don't have to overshare. <laughs> I'm like, who knew? Um <laughs> But like, there are some people I've met, like, who are just like so closed off. Yeah. And not even in like a like a mysterious way, like they're just impossible to talk to. Like, not even, like, some, like, some I've met who in acting school, like, you'd be like, oh, hey, how, how are you? They're like, nah. I'm like, wow, you must be so fun at parties. But I think that ability to, like, yeah, obviously, like, keep yourself protected and so, yeah. and have those barriers you need. Like, I still have, like, certain ones that I'm like, yeah, we'll, we'll keep that here if I need to. Um, people who just become so, like, and maybe it is shyness or maybe it's just this, like, I refuse to open up, which is such a toxic thing to have. Like, trap yourself yeah. in as well. Like I just, I worry and I feel sorry for those kind of people because I'm like, what, like, what happened for you to become so closed? Yeah. And then, like, and even, yeah, I think with acting and especially myself as an actor, like, I definitely have different little masks that I put on every day. Like, I'm, I'm an incredibly like ambivert type person. Like after a big day, like I love socializing, but I have to then spend like a good time to like just decompress. And have my space, and everyone's like, "Hey, can we hang out?" Like, this is not a this is not a this rose day. This is a this rose day where I need to be inside. But like, I think I, yeah, I need to just touch my carpet and be on the ground. It's <laughs> just like I've done a lot. Um, but I think yeah, I think acting I love the most because it helped me to sort of learn how to put on different yeah different acts in everyday yeah. life if I need to, which is something because I used to be like a very insecure, frantic person who would just run around and blurt. Like everything, yeah. all the times I'm like, I don't know what's acceptable to say, what's not. How do I socialize with each group? Because I was like a very sort of not quite a social reject in high school, but like I would mold if I have to, yeah, type thing. And I think acting helped me. Like the reason I probably loved it so much is I could put on a mask that I wanted enough until I could figure out who I was and what I wanted to fit into. Yeah, and once I was comfortable enough and like figuring out all this behind the scenes, I could then like bring it out and be like, this is who I am. I have confidence now. If I, if I can jump on stage and pretend to be a rabbit, I can do whatever I want type thing. That's right. Because, yeah, like, you, I don't know if you've ever done an animal class. Oh, yeah, I have <laughs> yeah, many, And you're many. like, oh, I'm pretending to be a bear shitting in a corner. I, I think my favorite is, like, doing frogs and yeah. everyone's, like, jumping around. It's like, you... you can never embarrass me because I've already done it to myself. It's yeah, fine. No, it's like, yeah. it, it's literally like, I, you know, I used to dance in public and, mm. you know, and do little grooves to music <laughs> in, in the shopping mall. I was so cool. Um, and I did that all the time and everyone was like, aren't you embarrassed? I'm like, no, I have no shame. There is nothing like, you like, can take from me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's literally like I couldn't give a shit. Um, but I mean, like, I do agree with you as well because I, I completely relate to that sort of putting on a mask in, in mm. high school as well. I was like incredibly anxious and, and yeah. insecure. And I think in particular for me, that was what appealed to me about acting mm. and uh, as well. And I think um, going into it now as an adult, it was like, 
you know, it's one of those things that creating is all I know. And it's mm-hmm. like it's something I love so much. So if someone was like, I'm going to take this away from you, I'd be like, miserable. Yeah, exactly. Like your world falls apart. You're like, yeah. What, yeah. What is like? It's, I think, yeah, the ability that humans have in general to be able to create, to put things into this world is fascinating. Like, yeah. and it's such a gift that we have. Like, it's not just with like creating art. Like, obviously, we have people who create incredible maths equations that then get us into i don't know space eventually i don't know maths very well i'm assuming that's what happened um, um like we have people, yeah i'm like this is how maths works but i like, just really want someone on a chart to write yeah maths equals space, space, space travel, travel down the line somewhere <laughs> well like it's, it's part of human nature to yeah to be able to create and stuff like that like the way that humans come is from the, like we 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 create an egg that then the egg gets good like yeah, yeah. Like, that's it. everything we it, do is well, we can, creating, you, yeah, and I think it's so important that we, like, people who like, you have the occasional person who's like, oh, like, you know, acting or like arts aren't a real career. I'm like, and how, like, what would yeah, you well, be without the arts? Like, <laughs> I mean, the liberal government thought that, and, and yeah, roads and, and transport as well, yeah, and, and you know, like, <laughs> they can all get fucked. Yeah, um, I, I'm much more of a Labour supporter because mm-hmm. they at least believe in things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have a knowledge of many things. Um, <laughs> but it, it's. I do agree with that. And I think like the, the arts in particular and especially just like in terms of mental health. And there was something mm. actually I think I loved recently. I was listening to an audio um, Doctor Adventure. It was Christopher Eccleston saying in his interview because he had for many years his own mental health. He stepped away from the show. Mm. He stepped away, didn't want anything to do with the show for 15 years and then decided to come back and do audio and, and go to fan conventions. And realistically, it was the fan conventions that convinced him to do the audio. So oh. it was like because he got all... All this positive feedback of kids with their own mental health issues going i loved you you were my doctor you were this that and the yeah. other and as an as someone who kind of knew the cultural impact but then he saw it firsthand he was like this is amazing like mm. this is i'm giving kids who i felt like when i was young and i didn't know and i was repressed with it and like i had a you know like a great parent but you know i just didn't know how to deal with him myself because of where i grew up now seeing kids come into his life and I'm, I'm like that's fantastic and he's mm. so much more enthused about life because and it's the same like we I guess the thing that I always find fa- fascinating is when we are a fan of something and when we sort of like hold on to that fandom mm-hmm. of like whether it's you know um, Doctor Who whether it's D&D whether, you know, whether it's Pokemon like whether it's Harry Potter if you cling to it like other than the transphobic JK can get oh, for, yeah. Yeah. Mm, she's get temperamental and she's friend. awful <laughs> She's problematic, and I don't understand why she thought that wizards um, shit in their robes and then magic get away. No idea. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Out of all the things in a magical world you could create, that is something. Like, what about, like, a spell that can cure childhood cancer? No, just wizards shit in their robes and magic get away. Good Lord, JK. Honey, uh, the, the author of her da- own downfall. Like, I know. It's uh, great. But, I mean, like, you know, this is the same person who wrote it on a, like, toilet roll and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like the value is that. Oh my god! <laughs> I just I love it so much, and I think that. But when you're a fan of these things, like it, you do grow up, and I think it really kind of harnesses a, a nature, and you know, and mm. without the arts, particularly in Australia, you know, like people talk about sports as being the main obstacle of Australia, and like we're all celebrating sports. But I'm like during the pandemic. I literally watched more TV yeah. than yeah. ever before. Well, that's the like, thing. Like, yeah, when you people are all stuck in like pandemics, like zone, like the arts were everything to you. Like yeah. you binged everything on Netflix and now you're pe- begging us to create more. Like, mm. and I think that's probably why it's the 
probably like some of the, the best time to be like an actor at the moment. It's like we're entering this new renaissance of like people need content. Yeah. Um, it just reminds me of that Bo Burnham song. Like I made you some content. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is just us at the moment. Everyone's like, we're so hungry for new things to go on and actors are there and like, and producers, writers, everything are like, oh shit, we need to fill this oh, how supply good is and demand. It's, Bo Burnham's incredible. Yeah. I watched that towards the end of lockdown. Thank God. But I was sort of like used to it. I think yeah. if I watched it a little bit earlier, I'd be like, oh, how am I miserable? Um, this is <laughs> yeah, me. I don't I'm, think yeah, you I'm going to go it and like sing. That. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love it. I thought that was a fantastic, um, yeah, just amazing show. I think it was very funny. It had this like, yeah, incredible, like the Welcome to the Internet song I thought was so good because it's such a bouncy, fun song but full of so many dark lyrics, I think, which was my entire mentality during lockdown. Like yeah. I was slowly losing my mind with streamers going around my head. Like that was entirely, I'm like, I'm going to write a short film or a sh I started writing a novel in lockdown because I was like, I've got nothing else to do. I started, I, I got to the novel because I'd, I'd had like a wine subscription with my like my housemate and we tried that. I'm like, I'm, I'm bored of wine now. I'm going to draw a comic book. I'm like, I'm bored of that. I'm going to write a novel. And I started writing it and it's just sitting there I'm about like a book and a half in now. Um, so no, it's, a, it's a saga of plans. I've like, oh, sorry. Yeah. I, I was wondering. It's like no, when you sorry. said novel, sorry, novels. I've written the first novel and um, I started the second one. I'm like, how did I get, like, where is this like obsessive hyper-focused creativity now? But it's, it's, that's the weirdest thing. I've got thing. so many yeah. like intrigued things to, about yeah. your mind. That I'm, I'm if up. I can't do things, like I, I have to be, yeah, I have to be creative. I cannot think and sit still with my own thoughts. Otherwise, I think my brain would explode because I'd have all these ideas. Yeah, it like, sort of leaks to... out of your eye. Yeah, I'm like, I need to do something with this, <laughs> uh, which is awful. Um, I'll, yeah, if I don't, I'll start writing a horrible book like J.K. Rowling, which is going to happen. We'll turn um, to Dark Shadow Rose. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> what, what do you mean? You make three Fantastic Beast films and you, yeah. you suddenly realise you're a sellout. Yeah. Well, <laughs> How can or, I milk this? <laughs> I mean, also though, the cursed child. Someone told me to watch that before oh. they told me it was shit, and it. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Is it really? Sh I've heard very mixed reviews. It's just, it's fanfic. It's yeah. really fanfic, and oh. I think also I love the Harry Potter books. Mm. Actually, like we we binge watched all the movies not that long ago, oh, and wow. the first. The first four are great. The first four yeah. are fantastic. Love them. Um, the more they get depressing and dark, <laughs> the less exciting they are. I think they just get too real. Like, yeah, you're like, no, we're the wizards who shit yeah. in their robes. Like, bring them yeah. back. <laughs> and I just think that also it it was one of those film franchises that had so many different directors. That yeah, I did notice that, which I found really weird and just yeah, because yeah. the moment David Yates took over, he's just directed it ever since. Like mm. he has been the primary director of Harry. But I know. But yeah, like when we were watching Fantastic Beasts, and I was like, "All right, we're gonna just watch the first one, and the rest of them suck." <laughs> like, and and it's the only one I own because I watched the second one, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is Johnny Depp just talking about war for two hours." Mm. And then the third one, I haven't even seen, and it's just Mad Mickelson just doing the same shit. Yeah, I haven't seen the third one, and I'm like, I I, I quite enjoyed the first one. I thought it was quite quirky, and I'm like, yeah, this is pretty like cool. Like the spin-off yeah. that's very very interesting. Yeah. I think they've done well in sort of keeping that sort of essence of what the maybe like the second and th like the third and fourth film sort of had but do you do you realize yeah. how little plot it actually has yes <laughs> and i was like give me the cool animals <laughs> they're yeah. groovy it's like literally just just eddie redmayne uh, as yeah. mute it's just yeah. going around town just going i'm saving the animals i'm doing weird it's dances just, yeah. <laughs> it's planet earth but for wizards it's i know fantastic. and i think um 
yeah, just like watching it now, and then like what watching it when it tries to be a serious like reflection of World War Two. I'm like, no, and, bring back the talking little platypus. No, I don't like, give a shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, give me the cute thing. <laughs> and I think yeah, it's just it's also just I guess a testament of um them trying to hold on to nostalgia because the the first film yeah. came out in two thousand like I think that's the thing I love and hate about nostalgia at the moment mm. particularly because we it's are so overmilked at the moment. Yeah, yeah, and I was just like I was I I particularly I love um I loved the first season of Stranger Things. Mm. And I am less of a fan the longer it's gone on. Yeah. Um and the reason is because when you sort of have a prime thing especially like stranger things where it starts off really well and it's really strong and all the way through and it has really kind of a first season narrative close and that's it like mm. you don't really need a second season to explain more you could just be like ambiguous ending called cool, which is always really fun and yeah. really interesting because the imagination is so much more powerful yeah. than anything you can write down like yeah but yeah. then i feel like it's relied too heavily on the actor's cuteness and then now that they're not cute <laughs> some of them cannot act uh, i know that most recent season i'm like who are these lanky string beans I know, and, they <laughs> ju- and i just think that also like i i think it's trying to be a show which is darker and then you know like um my yeah, cousin darkens with their aging yeah. yeah and i think like my, one of my cousin's kids who's non-binary um they they're like 12 and they're just like watching it and i'm like how are you watching this at 12 like literally half of the people are just getting ripped apart mm. and you're like you have you're fucked in the head of this one. Like, They're so desensitized. Yeah, like, oh my God. But yeah. I remember watching that when I was like little and I was like, oh my God, this is fucking terrifying. Mm. But you don't, you don't get that level. And I, I think like content with it, like I, I, you know, like we talk about creating stuff, but I feel like that stuff is wholly based on nostalgia. And that's mm. like what, you know, like with Disney live action remakes and everything, oh everything God, is just yeah. going back to this nostalgia. Like I, and have you noticed like every show is, you know, like there was a great um, queer show that came out on Amazon prime called paper girls. And it's a, literally an independent um, show, uh, not done. And everyone compared it to Stranger Things. So when they things. travel into the future, I mean, yes. just, yeah, I, that's on my list. It looks really good. And they canceled it after one season. <gasps> What? Because everyone compared it to Stranger Things. And I was oh, like, it's this got is teenagers the- on bikes. <laughs> it's teenagers on bikes who live in the 80s. And it was really. Like, was it not a thing? Was- like, Stranger Things is just it. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know. No. And it's just like, it shits me because that yeah. when new shows and good content, especially like queer content, which, yeah. you know, like Stranger Things, I'm sorry, it's not that queer. No, Other it's than- queer baiting. It's queer but, baiting, yeah. but Maya Hawk is the only, and honestly, gorgeous, mm-hmm. very queer. I secretly think she's very gay. <laughs> like- <laughs> is she not? Okay. I know. I don't think she is. I think she's oh, bi. She's got to be bi. Yeah. Because there Something. is the, there is too many like where the parents were, we can tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we know what's going on. Yeah, it's like she's so gay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, yeah, I I watch it and I just go, yeah, this is not. This is fun, but this is not kind of opening up. Like, there's no like awakening, and I mm. feel like a lot of it actually tends to you know not actually be that clever writing. It kind of writes you into narrative holes, and then. Um, I find like with Paper Girls and especially like Harry, you know, like Harry Potter didn't have a lot of, you know, like Dumbledore was gay apparently, but you know, not until yeah. many years later. And he's really not. <laughs> like in the original no. series, he was not gay at all. Like it was just some old creepy dude telling yeah, Harry what to do. Old, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I feel like with, you know, things we're trying to, you know, like modern, um, modern shows are actually much better at like identifying people as queer and it not being a prominent aspect of yeah, who they there's are. There's something I love about just, um, like just watching a queer film or queer story, where just it's just that's not that yeah their main thing. Yeah. Like just they have nice things happen. Yeah. Like it's just generally like it's just it's like that like their 
the same as their name that just happens to be who they are yeah. it's fine i just i need to see yeah more of that i think it's not enough of it like i'm so sick of seeing film and television like oh they're queer and that's the hardest thing in their life yeah. and i'm like well we know like was that that's like sometimes we want to go watch a film or a movie or something like that and have that sort of level of escapism where we don't have to be completely re- like reflected with what's going on yeah. in our current lives um but yeah it's just fun to watch this i mean queer and be like oh, that's cool like, yeah, no, nothing bad happened. No one got hate crimed for fuck's sake. Like it's yeah, fantastic. It's, it's like no one got shunned for the yeah. fact. But it was like the same. I think what I loved, particularly, I don't know if you've seen Umbrella Academy, which I love Umbrella Academy. And and season three, like season three, just built on season two. Mm. But I do love that when Vanya became Victor, and that transition was just so flawless. It was just mm-hmm. like a conversation. They're like, okay. And, the, and yeah. all the siblings were like, yeah, whatever, cool, let's move on. Like, we've got actual shit to do. Exactly. There are more important <laughs> things. Yeah, and it's just it. like, it just, you know, and then the name was never dropped. And I was like, yeah. I was like, this is the most important thing. And I also particularly liked the relation that Victor had with Alison because then that built on, uh, you know, essentially th- the problem with being trans wasn't the issue. It was the problem was like, you know, Alison's life being taken away. Yeah, Victor, but but Victor people, was kind yeah. of like confused as well. It's like, what have I done wrong? Is it this? Is it that? What like? And there's a whole identity crisis as well going on. Mm. And so he's going through his own inner turmoil. And I th- I love that because you had that sibling, you know, um, like rivalry develop out of it. And I think the shot, like, it's just a, it's very clear cut like show. It it really doesn't like push an agenda. It just pushes how people feel. And yeah. that's what I love about it. Because when you, when shows, particularly like as performers and writers mm. and actors, we don't always want to push an agenda. No, not at all. It's like, yeah, I think it's so fun to watch. Like, like Umbrella Academy works so well because all these people, these actors are just so truthful within their given circumstances, which is like what the world is ending. Yeah. And yet they're so human and so like, they play siblings so well. I think it was so funny to watch them all bickering away whilst also like having these incredible things happen. And like, there's nothing worse than like, you're putting a play on you and be like, it's about the oppression. And you're like, oh, how do we like do this in that way? Like you have to like, it's sometimes just fun to make art for art. Like yeah. it's, it's great. Like we, I just did a play, um, Cloud Nine by Carol Churchill, which has like a lot of different topics in it. Like yeah. we have like, yeah, gender identity, like the patriarchy and like what it's done to like modern yeah, gender identity and stuff like that. And like, queer relationships or like how like a character I played um how like she's escaped this very very like awfully oppressive patriarchal marriage and now she's on her own and Mm. how she like has to figure out who she is without a man and like what her self-worth is it's all about sort of discovering yourself there's no sort of like specific ending or specific point or like thing that we're trying to press or like prove with this play it's just about these topics and then like these are things that pop up like there's like a gay relationship, which then like turns into a trans relationship. Like it's all these interesting things. Like one character comes out as trans halfway through and nothing's sort of said. It's just like, okay, cool. That's, that's, mm. that's that character now. Cool. And it's all these different things. This play was written in the seventies <laughs> and it was amazing um, that it's still so um, important today and so relevant yeah. today. And I think, yeah, like afterwards, like I was outside and, like talking to everyone after the show. I'm like, hey, how are you? Like, what was it about? I'm like, what do you think it was about? And they're like, oh, this is not. I'm like, that's it. That's it. Cool. Like, yeah. that's what showed out to you. That's important. That's what it's for. And I think, yeah, like I love theater that's like hasn't got like a big point, yeah. but it has people asking questions and talking afterwards. That's what it's there for. I think is like what it's really important for is like, yeah, getting people to address these things. 
and have conversations with themselves and like other people be like, what do you think it was? And that's sort of how you get that sort of cycle of creation is like sort of how do yeah. we better understand these things? If you saw that and then I saw this in it, like why didn't we see? I think yeah. it's really interesting. Yeah. I think I think 100% and I feel like a lot of people kind of forget that, you know, like when they watch <laughs> – when you watch plays and you go like and you just kind of see it from a subjective point of view mm. like oh that's nice that yeah was, like, that interesting was, lighting yeah yeah. Cool. yeah yeah that was like two hours of my time that i really liked yeah uh, exactly but then i think subjective like in, internally in the in the structure of it yeah i do agree and i love the fact that plays do last the testament of times mm. like you know it, it just churchill's especially one of those writers who just has yeah like that ability yeah. to write things that are so important well it's like um particularly like margaret atwood um mm. and she's just written so many like and a stellar books um and you know like the handmaid's tale is particularly one of it but um you know it's interesting as well because i was thinking that way um and i just think that particularly with women is women's issues and and the political turmoil everyone the moment like trump was elected everyone just thought of that with the yeah yeah, it was still so relevant it was so relevant it wasn't like this thing of the past or this thing of the future it was like such a relevant time and i think um you know a lot of those things that we sort of think are relevant um you know like um you know like um you know abuse or like um sexual discrimination Mm. or identity and everything like and uh, you know it's so nonchalantly processed in these sort of plays that people write like so many years ago i literally watched what was it um gaslight the movie the 1944 gaslight movie oh yeah, yeah yeah Yeah. Great film. Mm. And you watch it and you just go, actually, this is fucked. Because yeah. so many levels of that film. I recommend anyone go and watch it because it's one of those films that when you do watch it, you're like, well, how the hell was this like, you know, this is so forward thinking in the terms of the women coming out the forefront and mm. she's the, she actually wins this. Yeah. She didn't lose and he's the villain. Mm. And it's just so well done comparatively to when it was in a time when men were normally the heroes. And the, yeah. and I was like, this is a clever play. And I just even thought when I was watching it, I was like, how is this play, like, you know, like written in like, and it was written in the 18, like 1910s. Like it was that yeah, long ago. Yeah, it's like ago. The Doll's House by Ibsen as well. Like these yeah. days, like obviously isn't quite as shocking because she leaves at the end. But like back then everyone's <laughs> like, she le- like how does she leave the children? But now we're like, yeah, good for her. Yeah, which is I think especially plays like that, where that was so progressive for their time. Are so and it's so funny to watch them not become shocking anymore. Yeah, and how to properly put them on? Like how do I have this play about this woman who's like stuck in this horrible marriage who then leaves? Like how do I have that same shock factor? Um, which I, I was yeah discussing the other day after like doing this Carol Churchill play. I'm like, oh, what's another play that was written way above its yeah. time? Is yeah, like The Doll's House incredible i think it was wonderful and it's yeah it's so interesting to watch it because obviously it's still like a fantastic play and the ending's still like oh cool completely different reaction from what it was when it was originally yeah yeah i think it's just yeah so interesting and like it makes me because it's yeah ibsen written by man and everyone's like oh what like it's such a i wonder yeah like in a way like because obviously art sometimes in creating is like people's way of processing certain things and like Mm. i wonder what like things were going on underneath in the writing of these plays yeah i think i think a lot of it comes to just not feeling like you're actually part of your own time and i Mm. think a lot of these i also think a lot of these writers 
probably had very difficult times actually in their own lives when they yeah. were alive, um, writing these plays and putting them on and getting shunned probably, even though they were probably well received, mm. they would get the other side of the coin, which was people, got, you know, because it's so common even to this day where you sort of read articles of like, how dare we sort of push an agenda. And it's like, we still we literally just talked about like not liking to push agendas, but like, even mm. if you do it subtly, like you're like, oh, these characters are gay. Like, and, and suddenly there will be inner turmoil or like, Everyone's, you know, yeah. like, um, and I think, you know, and I, as much as I love the community, like the queer community, there is a lot of inner turmoil within it. Absolutely. And, you yeah. know, and it, it, it like, you would probably encounter this as well, but, you know, being a bisexual, it's just, there was a lot of bi-erasure. Bi-erasure and like the bisexual versus pansexual thing, uh, I think is ridiculous. But yeah, bi-erasure I think is something I just, it, it does, it's so silly. It's so because I was like, it's a phase. I'm like, well, what a wonderful phase to have. Yeah. Discover yourself though. Like it's yeah. just to utilize it. Yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah. And I think oh, I was, yeah, I love the idea of like someone saying something's a phase. I'm like, well, you should have many phases in your life anyway. Like even if it is a phase or if it is like just this is your sexuality, like you could have a phase where you're interested into like classical music or a phase where you only eat broccoli. Like that's just part of what you are. And like I think using that as an insult is the dumbest thing. Yeah. It's yeah, but I think yeah, definitely bi erasure is ridiculous yeah and it doesn't make any sense <laughs> like did you did you ever feel like that was kind of something that you know people try and attack you with as well well I didn't know I was bisexual because I didn't know it was a thing until I was maybe like 17 or 18 I get popped up on tumblr and I was like what because yeah I think it was uh I think it was something horrific like some hobbit fan fiction or something um, and I, and I was like, what a way to discover a sexuality, um, <laughs> to be like, there's a word for this. <laughs> um, and it's in the Hobbit. Yeah. It was like, yeah, someone was writing some Frodo, no, Bilbo Baggins fan fiction where he was, I don't know, sleeping with a woman and then one of the dwarves and he's like, yeah, bisexual fantasy. I'm like, what is, what is this? What? What is, what is Bilbo up to? I'm pretty um, sure that like, Bilbo's just into species. Bilbo's now, just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bilbo's just a monster fucker. <laughs> 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 Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Frodo, yeah. watch out. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. AO3's got it somewhere written down. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like finding bisexuality, like I didn't know it was a thing. Like yeah. people would be like, Oh, you know, like they're doing like I remember like it was maybe like I my early teens were during like when like American Pie was huge and everyone's like it's like their sexy phase like girls go through that phase where they like to make up with other girls and I'm like because it's fun and it's awesome and it's like, like the best feeling in the world yeah I'm like have you not kissed a girl? like why the fuck would we not be kissing girls like girls are amazing um <laughs> and like, I guess boys are there but like, <laughs> <laughs> like girls are really cool um my poor boyfriend he's so patient he's like this is my girlfriend and my girlfriend's wife um it was like me and my best friend he's like I'm just here to be yeah I'm happy I mean I mean yeah. like you you know when that scale of everyone's like how like by are you and yeah. how much do you swing? How much well? percentage? Yeah. I'm, I'm literally it goes with seasons. It really yeah. does. And um, like, it depends. Like if they look like they can kill me, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm down bad. <laughs> You're just like if they can murder yeah. my soul. Exactly. I, uh, like, if they look like a vampire or a werewolf or someone like maybe a pirate, I'm like, what is up? <laughs> like how are we? <laughs> that it's is like, my I, type. <laughs> My type is like the roguish romance interest from like some shitty smart book. I'm like, that is 
Oh, mad how woman in between. Yeah. How realistically is this been with the partners you've had? <laughs> oh, well, recently, pretty good. Like, my current partner, Hugo, love him so much. He looks like this werewolf mixed pirate man. Like, he has, like, earrings, pearl necklaces, beautiful rings. Like, his shirt's always just too many buttons undone. <laughs> and he floats into a room. And I'm like, that one. <laughs> like, that one him. Uh, it's just very funny. Like, I have friends with me and they're like, you're dating a pirate. I'm like, yeah. I'm so happy about it. <laughs> Is he just... He's just, yeah, like really tall. Oh, sorry. Really? <laughs> sorry, I'm swooning. I've knocked my mic. <laughs> really tall, really like a hairy man. And I'm like, oh my God. Wow. <laughs> like, Did you literally like faint when you first saw him? No, I was. So, <laughs> I was so. Like, I, I'm really bad at like not knowing how to like handle with like sweet. So I just clenched my jaw really hard. And he was like, hi. I'm like, <clears throat> sup. <laughs> <laughs> office because I didn't know how to handle what I was feeling which was lust but I didn't know that I was like oh my god like I, I don't know if I want to be with you or be you like you're such a cool looking person um and yeah eventually we started dating finally like I eventually got the balls to ask him out and be like I'm gonna be I was 12 tequila shots deep and I'm like I want to be your girlfriend and he's like yeah cool I'm like oh okay cool fantastic um, and then the shy rose comes out and you're yeah, like the Fuck! next morning I was like what have I done that's quite wholesome, though. It's very, it, we're, yeah, a very wholesome, like, compared to the, like, chaos of each of our individual lives, like, we're very wholesome people as a couple, <laughs> despite, like, how we first, like, handled each other's, like, attraction to each other, like, to this day, he still gets quite, like, I swear if he was an anime character, he'd have, like, the bursting nosebleed, like, of just, like, freaking out at his girlfriend all the time, because he's like, oh my god, she's really pretty, I'm like, we're literally dating, he's like, what? It's fantastic. It's really humbling. Um, it's sweet. We keep each other humble because we forget that like we're dating. We're like this. That man over there. What's up? How are you doing? He's like, hi, honey. I'm like, me, honey. Oh, oh that's great. <laughs> that's deep level attraction, right there. Yeah, I think we just yeah we fangirl over each other all the time. It's fantastic. I mean, and then- <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> what I'm actually sensing sensing is a lot of lust, as you say. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely keep the love alive by like just being just so damn bad for each other. We're like, you're really cool. <laughs> and because it took us so long to figure out, like, like it took me so long to ask him, like, get, yeah, just muster up the courage to ask him out. Like, it, took, it was like a good, like, maybe yeah. a year of like courting and long glances and like sort of like i don't know if you like me like that when each of us are like screaming into our pillows being like they're so hot and then we figured it out eventually and so now it's like this really nice relationship of just like two goblins in trench coats running around like i love themselves that a couple yeah it's sweet <laughs> so if anyone wants to go to this backwards reality <laughs> yeah I just feel like it's like I, I've literally been watching X Files for the last like oh few, few God, weeks. So, so all good. I'm imagining is you and your partner just like walking around in the street and just being like the aliens yeah. of the scene. He's like, Act okay, natural. He's <laughs> like, okay. Because the best they told me to stand out like weirdos. <laughs> oh my god um i do want to wrap us up before yeah. um before i do though i want to talk a little bit about social media um and your thoughts on it are you an active social person or are you yeah. terrible i think i am like, i i enjoy it i guess fine like i know a lot of people who get really anxious about it. like my sister is like riddled with anxiety towards yeah. social media i not so much like, i love it i think it's really fun um I guess it's a great way to sort of get in touch with people because I have a lot of friends who are like international or like you said earlier, like, yeah, we have like a lot of Facebook friends we don't know, but we think are really interesting. Like it's just a way to connect more with people. And I think, 
yeah, I just love it. I think it's great. I think it's, I, I obviously wait, spend way too much screen time. Um, but yeah, I'm like, yeah, right here. But like all my like Instagram feed is like duck videos and like aesthetic cottage core places. And I'm like, I think it's great because you can sort of feed these interests you have like all the time yeah. and you can keep that. Yeah. Um, I don't use Facebook too much because it's just getting a bit too like people I went to high school with having kids and getting married and like all these mums and like it's getting a bit too Sharony for me and I'm like nope just back to you I'm mainly like an Instagram person or a TikTok I watch TikTok way too much oh my god but yeah social media I can't help you there there's a therapy <gasps> session <laughs> I love it <laughs> I think it's so funny and I think especially after like lockdown it was yeah. like how people like had their access to the world was like through social media um so I think it's yeah I think it's a very powerful thing I think you have to, have to be careful with it because there's yeah it can be very, very dangerous. Like I remember when I was a kid watching horrible videos on YouTube that just have mentally scarred me for years. Like there's so many out there that like in the no, deep web. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I, mm. yeah. Like the, the Reddit in its prime days. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like yes. So many horrific videos. I'm like, oh, okay, that's going to leave a mark. Do you remember that web page? Actually, the one I remember, which was if you keep scrolling, you saw worse and worse images. Yeah. I remember I, that one. And I remember I got to public like, image five and it was like some guy dead on us. Yeah. Like being beheaded. Yeah. I was like, I was like, this is childhood. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, yeah, what was your, like watching horrific videos on the internet? I like, guess yeah, someone being beheaded or like, Oh, there's so many of there, like to trigger an entire generation. The two girls, one cup meme. Do you remember that? Yes, and yeah. I never want to think I, about. It. Yeah, I. <laughs> it's like the depths of like the internet. I'm like, how did I get here, and why did someone let me get there? It was in it. Um, blue waffle. Oh yeah, that was another horrible <laughs> one. Yeah, like you just sit there in the computer labs, be like Google this, and then the teacher will be like, What are you looking at? You're like, Oh my god, no, my friend told me to look at it. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's just, ah. it's just oh. like so horrifying. You sit yeah. there at, like late at night, and you're like, Oh. What have I done? How do I erase the history? <laughs> Am I gonna die in my sleep? Are my parents gonna know? Oh, the worst ones were the emails that you mysteriously like, yeah. And if oh. you don't respond, some killer thing's gonna get. Those were the old days of social media. That was just so much more threatening. <laughs> now these days, I'm like, that's a really cute fluffy cow. But like, I was there in the dark days. I remember it. <laughs> like the email chains that would go around. Oh, they were hilarious. I just feel like everyone now is missing out on what was good childhood. Oh, the random like jump scare videos. I'm like, some kids haven't seen the exorcist face run towards them really fast like after playing a maze game or something or like do you remember that video of like the car driving down like a windy road and then there was this massive like jump scare zombie that jumped up yes yeah i just like there ain't that shit around anymore and i think no. people need to see it a lot more i feel like need, people yeah. need to be broken <laughs> yeah i think if yeah, people aren't quite traumatized enough anymore they need to know how dangerous the internet is and this is how you get reminded yeah and then when you go out into the real world yeah <laughs> like i have never fallen for a scam because i know what to look for because <laughs> i know how hard it was like i can recognize a chain email now it's fine well, especially yeah. recognize emails that are sending them from my own account yeah <laughs> You know, like when they they'd say like it's Take from it. you, and it's like, how's this work? What? Oh, oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Um, but I'm gonna wrap it up here. Easy. Uh, Rose, I'm gonna get you to tell everyone on the internet mm-hmm. um, where they can find you and where they can stalk you. Yes. Okay. So you can, <laughs> I'm like, what is my Instagram name? <laughs> you can find me on Instagram. Um, my name is Rosalini underscore Tortellini. I think. Yes, that is my Instagram. <laughs> um, of all my acting endeavors and memes that I share at midnight after hours of not sleeping, it's a fun time. Yeah, I love it. Me, <laughs> go on, go and f- follow her on Instagram. Is it like it's a public account? Yeah, it is absolutely. There you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. You so like. you'll see updates on all my shows and stuff that I do. 
and then the occasional wine dinner like that. <laughs> yeah, you like, look at me. I'm drinking fancy wine, and then I can give you wine recommendations if you want. So yeah, there you go. Ask ask wine advice. Yeah, no, that was a thing. Yeah, no, I I just started working as a on the wine team at work. So it's <gasps> very exciting. Oh, yeah, I, I'll ask you all the opinions then because mm. I'm a wine. I have a wine subscription. <gasps> Ooh. Do you use good pair days? Yes. Yeah, I really like them. They're really cool. They are yeah. so delicious. I like the freebies that you get. Yeah, I know. Like more toys and treats. <laughs> and then, but then sometimes they send you the same one. You're like, I already have this. <laughs> I don't need another esky. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like this is useless to me. Um, but thank you so much, Rose, for joining. Thank you for having me for this just chaotic discussion. <laughs> it's been a chaotic hour, and I loved yeah. every minute of it. <laughs> Glad. Um, if you want to go and listen to more chaotic interviews that I've done in the past, please go and check them out on Apple and Spotify. I'll be speaking with another guest next week and I'll speak to you all later. Goodbye. <laughs>